Part 2, Chapter 4 of The Gambler by Catherine Cecil Thurston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Part 2, Chapter 4. To the last day of his life, that evening, with its horde of harassing and unfamiliar sensations, remained stamped upon Milbank's mind. And not least among the unpleasant recollections was the visit of Molyneux and the dinner at which he himself unwillingly played host. It may have been that his usually placid susceptibilities had undergone a strain that rendered him oversensitive. But whatever the cause, the atmosphere diffused by the great man jarred upon him. In his eyes it seemed little short of callous that one who had just passed sentence of death upon his patient could so far remain unmoved as to partake with relish of the dinner set before him, and comment with affable appreciation upon the quality of the patient's wines. Milbank spoke little during the course of that meal. Try as he might to enact the part entrusted to him, his thoughts persistently wandered to the room upstairs, with its doomed sufferer and its anxious watchers, as yet mercifully ignorant of the verdict that had been pronounced. But if the host was silent, the guests made conversation. Gallagher was assiduous in his attentions to the man who, in his eyes, stood for the attainment of all ambition. And Molyneux, under the unlooked-for stimulus of good, if homely, food and wine, that even as an epicure he admitted to be remarkable, was graciously pleased to accept the homage of his humble colleague, and to display a suave glimpse of the polished wit for which he was noted in society. His expressions of regret were perfectly genuine, when at last the sound of wheels on the gravel of the drive broke in upon his discourse, and Gallagher deprecatingly drew out his watch. "'The ways of the world, Mr. Milbank,' he murmured as he rose. Our pleasantest acquaintances end the soonest. I must wish you good-bye, with many thanks for your delightful hospitality. So far as our poor friend is concerned, he added in a correctly altered tone, Dr. Gallagher may be relied upon to do everything. In a case like this, where physical pain is recurrent and violent, we can only have recourse to narcotics. We have already allayed the suffering consequent on my examination— and you may rely upon some hours of calm. For any subsequent contingency, Dr. Gallagher has my instructions. Of course, if you wish me to have one more glimpse at him before I go... But Milbank, who had also risen, held out his hand mechanically. Oh, no, he said quietly. No, thank you. I, I don't think we will trouble you any further. It has been a great satisfaction to have obtained your... your opinion. Molyneux waved his hand magnanimously. Do not mention it he murmured. My regret is deep that I have been of so little avail. Good-bye again, Mr. Milbank. It has been an honour, as well as a pleasure, to meet you. He smiled blandly, and added to the last remark, as Gallagher solicitously helped him into his fur-lined travelling-coat. Then, still suavely genial, he passed out of the dining-room towards the hall-door. Gallagher hurried after him, but in passing Milbank he paused. "'I'll be back in an hour, Mr. Milbank,' he said. "'I'm just going as far as Carrickmore with Dr. Molyneux "'to get an additional supply of morphia.' Milbank nodded silently, and in his turn stepped into the hall. When the two men had entered the waiting vehicle, when Molyneux had waved a courtly farewell and the coachman had gathered up the reins, he turned and slowly began to mount the stairs. Instantly his foot touched the landing, Mrs. Ashlin darted from the shadowy corridor. "'What news?' she asked agitatedly. "'Oh, Mr. Millibank, what news? "'The suspense has been dreadful.' "'Her voice trembled. "'Tears came very easily to Mrs. Ashlin, 
and her habitual attitude of mourning had heretofore irritated Milbank. But now her thin face and faded black garments came as a curiously welcome contrast to the bland affluence, the genial, complacent superiority of Molyneux. He turned to her with a feeling of warmth. "'Forgive my delay, Mrs. Ashlin,' he said gently. "'One is never in a hurry to impart bad news. "'Dr. Molyneux holds out no hope, not a shadow of hope.' There was a pause, then Mrs. Ashley made a tragic gesture. "'Oh, the children!' she murmured. "'The poor, poor children! What will become of them?' "'The children will be provided for,' Milbank said hastily. Then, without giving her time for question or astonishment, he went on again. "'Don't say anything of this to Clodagh,' he enjoined. "'She must have these last hours in peace.' "'Certainly, certainly. Oh, poor Dennis, poor Dennis! I always said he would have an unfortunate end. But go in and see him, Mr. Milbank. Clodagh is in the room.' Milbank silently acquiesced, and moved slowly down the corridor. At the door of her father's room he found Nance still patiently watchful. He paused, arrested by his new sense of obligation, and looked down into the upturned, wistful little face. "'What are you doing here, Nance?' he asked kindly. She made a valiant attempt to conjure up her pretty, winning smile, but her lips began to tremble. "'I don't know,' she said shyly and softly. Then in a sudden burst of confidence she stepped close to him. "'Claude doesn't like me to go in,' she murmured. "'She thinks it makes me sad to see father, and I don't know where to go. I be in Hannah's way in the kitchen, and I don't like being with Aunt Fan, and I'm frightened to be by myself. There's a horrid sort of feel in the house.' Her dark blue eyes searched Milbank's face appealingly, and with a sensation of pity and protection, he stooped and took one of her cold, limp hands. "'You may come in,' he said gently. "'It is very lonely out here. I think we can make Clodagh understand.' Without hesitation her fingers closed round his in a movement of confidence and gratitude, and together they passed into the room where Ashton lay peacefully under the influence of the narcotic administered by Molyneux. By Gallagher's orders, the nurse, who had been deprived of her necessary rest in the morning, had retired to her room again in preparation for the night, and only Clodagh was in attendance. Having quietly closed the door, Milbank halted hesitatingly, expecting a flood of questions. But to his intense surprise she did not even glance in his direction. She sat motionless and pale, her eyes on her father's face, her attitude stiff and almost defiant. He wondered for a moment whether by the power of instinct she had divined Molyneux's verdict, or whether, through some source unknown to him, the news of it had already reached her. With a sense of trepidation, he tightened his fingers round Nancy's little hand, and drew her silently into a corner of the room. For more than an hour the three watchers sat regarding their patient. No one attempted to speak, no one appeared to have anything to say. Once or twice Mrs. Ashton fitted agitatedly in and out of the room, but none of them took heed of her presence. Occasionally a clock struck in the silent house, or a cinder fell from the fire, causing them all to start nervously. But except for these interruptions, the quiet was preternatural. It was with a throb of relief at his heart that Milbank at last caught the sound of Gallagher's horse trotting up the avenue, and knew by the shutting of the hall door that the doctor had entered the house. He walked into the sick-room a few minutes later, and with a casual nod to all present, moved at once to the bed. Bending over Ashlyn, he felt his pulse, 
then glanced significantly at Millbank, who had risen on his entrance. "'I think we must inject a stimulant,' he said. "'The pulse is a little weak.' With a faint sound of consternation, Clodagh stood up. "'Oh, he's not worse,' she said. "'Dr. Gallagher, he's not worse.' Gallagher looked at her, and his expression changed. "'The distress of a pretty girl is always difficult to resist.' "'No, Miss Ashlyn,' he said kindly. "'No, you see, he has gone through a lot. "'We must expect him to be weak.' Clodagh looked relieved, though the alarm still lingered in her eyes. "'Of course,' she said. "'Yes, of course. "'Is there anything I can do?' Garrick had glanced at her again. "'Well,' he said quietly, "'perhaps you will call the nurse for me. "'There's no real need for her, "'but it is just as well we should have her on the spot.' Again Clodagh's eyes darkened with apprehension, but she made no remark. Signalling to Nance to follow her, she left the room. As the two girls disappeared, Gallagher bent again over Ashlyn, making another rapid examination. Then once more he glanced up at Millbank. "'She may not last the night,' he said below his breath. "'Molyneux expected that it would be a long business, but we didn't look for the change so soon as this.' Millbank did not alter his position. "'You'll stay on, of course,' he said mechanically. "'Oh, yes, oh, yes, I'll stay on.' As he said the last word, Clodagh reappeared. "'The nurse will be here in a minute,' she said in a steady voice. The unrelaxed, monotonous vigil lasted until two o'clock. Then, as Ashton showed a disposition to rally, the doctor asserted his authority and dismissed Mrs. Ashton, Nance and Milbank for a much-needed rest. Clodagh alone refusing to leave the room. Though he would not have admitted it, the command came as a boon to Millbank. His long and arduous journey, coupled with the strain and excitement of the day and evening, had culminated in intense weariness, and when Gallagher's order came, it would have been a superhuman effort to offer any protest. Reaching his room, he took off his boots, and, partially undressing, threw himself upon his bed. How many hours he slept, the deep sleep of utter exhaustion, he did not know. His first effort at awaking consciousness was a thrill of nervous fright that made him sit up in bed, aware with a sudden shock that someone was knocking imperatively on his door and calling him by name in low, agitated tones. "'Mr. Milbank! Mr. Milbank! Wake! Please! Quick! Mr. Milbank!' He stared into the darkness for an instant in dazed apprehension. Then he slid out of bed, fumbling blindly for his dressing-gown. "'Coming!' he called. Coming. Having found the garment, he crossed the room stumblingly, thrusting his arms into the sleeves as he went. Opening the door, he realised the situation with a sick sinking of the heart. Clodagh stood in the corridor with a blanched face, holding a candle in her shaking hand. Oh, come, please, she exclaimed. Come quick. Without a word, he stepped forward, and the two hurried down the passage. In the sick-room the fire was glowing, and additional candles had been lighted. For a second Milbank paused at the door. Then, as his eyes grew accustomed to the access of light, the scene became clear to him. On the bed lay Ashlyn, his head partly propped up by pillows, his eyes wide, his breath coming in slow, difficult gasps. Gallagher was moving around the room with more quickness and deftness than the Englishman could have believed possible. Mrs. Ashlyn, unnerved and yet fascinated, leaned upon the end of the bed, while Nance, crying silently, followed the nurse to and fro in dazed, half-uncomprehending fear, and Hannah, the household factotum, crouched behind the door, 
weeping and murmuring inarticulate prayers. The pitcher turned Milbank cold. With an instinctive gesture he paused, with the intention of shielding it from Clodagh's sight. But at the very moment that he turned towards her, a convulsion shook the dying man. He half lifted himself in bed, his eyes staring wildly. As Gallica rushed forward, a faint sound escaped him. His head fell forward, and his body collapsed in the doctor's arms. There was a breathless, appalled silence. A silence that seemed to extend over years. At last Gallica looked up. "'It's all over,' he said in a hushed voice. For a minute no one spoke, no one moved. It seemed as if the whole room was petrified. Then Gallica quietly laid the body back upon the pillows, and as though the action broke the spell, Clodagh gave a sudden sharp cry and ran forward to the bed. End of Part 2, Chapter 4